everybody welcome back to another episode of brian and dylan take on the world for today we have a quick review and progress of the new far cry game and then we're talking non-spoiler first and then moving into spoiler territories for the film ready player one i'd like to thank everybody who got us over that 100 subscriber mark we have our custom url and we are super excited so once again thank you so much and enjoy the show here's brian and dylan take on the world Hey everybody, welcome back to Brian and Dylan Take on the World. I am of course Dylan with my co-host Brian who is here. Hey, what's up? Brian, it is Easter Sunday when we are recording and we are now one day into our cyber attack where our previous recording of this episode (laughs) was brought down by the cyber terrorists. Yes, uh, so we actually recorded a full episode of this we talked about it it was good it was about an hour long i went to hit stop recording and obs was like uh no i don't feel like it i'm just gonna keep recording and eventually i had to just force the program to quit to get it stopped at all and that resulted in us losing the recording altogether so so we're at the point now where brian you know he's saying it was his fault i have a feeling that it was like a rival podcast that brought us down (laughs) it could be that's just it could be it could be sabotage you never you know, know with these things. No one ever makes it to the top without a few enemies, right. so we now have a ghost cyber enemy. <laughs> they can, uh, they can so, shoot at us, but they're not going to hit us. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yes. So yesterday, I, I was uh, I was just saying I had a little bit more energy yesterday. It was not Easter day. Right. Uh, I did not wake up at 6 o'clock on Saturday like I did today. Mm-hmm. So kind of dragging a little bit but i'm hoping to pick me up because i fucking love the ready player one yes very good i can't wait to talk about it again i can't wait to talk about far cry 5 again mm-hmm. but this will be the first time you hear yes. so i guess let's kind of let's get let's just jump right into it let's uh talk a little far cry 5 first all right let's do it what are your thoughts on it so far i like it a lot so yesterday when i played it i last yesterday excuse me yesterday when we talked about it i had given it i think an 8.6 because mm. i was still trying to get into it as we talked about this is my very first time playing any far cry yes so i'm kind of really fresh to the whole thing and i must say it's kind of like nice to come into this world because i really like far cry 5 a lot so far i'm kind of hearing a lot that i guess it's kind of on the same blueprint as the other far cries have been before where you have like this one enemy and you're really just trying to take him down like it has been a whole lot of different but i've i have loved everything i've played so far i love i've gotten used to the gameplay uh, as, as we were talking about when we went and saw Ready Player One Friday, I wasn't a big fan of the weapon wheel at first, but mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten used to it. Right, right. So yeah, for those of you who don't know, the have the way you switch weapons, you kind of have a primary, a secondary, and then either a grenade or a throwing knife available to you at any time. And then if you want to change to a different weapon, you have to purchase more slots, and then you can hold up to three primary weapons. And in order to do that, you need to hold um, the, I believe, L1 on the PS4 and um, LB on the Xbox One to bring up a weapon wheel. That doesn't pause time, and that's how you switch your weapons. Yeah, so I I haven't had a time... I haven't had an issue with time not being paused when you switch weapons. As as, uh, we previously talked about, I guess Mm. some people aren't a big fan of that. Right. It took me a little bit getting used to, and it wasn't really because of the time pausing accent because at first i honestly didn't even realize it mm-hmm. it was more just i didn't feel it was as smooth 
as other games, but the more and more I've played it, it's been pretty smooth. Like I could be running and sliding in the middle of a gunfight and mm. immediately switch to my pistol while sliding. Right. And it's been pretty smooth. It looks fucking great on PlayStation. So I'm a big fan of that. At first, as you mentioned, I wasn't a big fan that you can only basically have a primary weapon and a sidearm. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that there was two additional slots where once you use um, once you unlock like the tier that where you can have like a secondary another secondary primary weapon mm-hmm. and then I believe you can have a third primary weapon as well uh, later on once you get once you get enough uh, points to be able to purchase it yeah. so I'm, I'm a big fan of everything so far I think the story is fucking great the beginning is so creepy I was like creeped out just playing it and it was like the middle of the day but it had me hooked right away because mm-hmm. I'm big on I'm big on cults like I, I, I love listening to podcasts like the last podcast on the left when they talk about uh, Jonestown or mm-hmm. the Mansons or uh, like one right now they're talking about Rasputin right. who pretty much formed like his own little kooky magical cult mm-hmm. in Russia back in like the early 1900s. Uh, 1900. So I- I'm a fan of the storyline. I think it's pretty cool because this is the first one that's ever gone to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they're in a fictional county in Montana. Right. And I think the setting works really well with the game obviously because I-, I don't think a cult in like – Iraq would be as interesting mm-hmm. as a cult in middle America, Montana. Right. And I think the, the the surrounding air is just really cool to play in. It's really fun. I've been attacked and inappropriately attacked in ways by bears mm-hmm. and mongooses right. and eagles. Yep. So it's definitely different. You can fish. You can hunt. You can really do anything. It's kind of like a more outdoorsy version of Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. But it's so different in its own way, which I like a lot. Because, I, I, like I said, this is the first Far Cry I've ever played. I know this is the first Far Cry you've ever played. Yes. And I'm, I'm really I'm, – I'm a fan. I, I heard a lot of the Far Cry fans of the previous games aren't huge on this game because they said it's really more of the same. But coming into this completely blind, really, to the other Far Cries, mm-hmm. I'm having a blast. And I think yesterday, like I said, I gave it like an 8.6. I've bumped that up to an 8.8 because I'm just having so much fun. Right. And I'm not even really playing the missions and story modes right now. I'm kind of just running around and doing like a lot of the side stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just running around and bringing down like outposts and all that. Is it possible Ubisoft hacked us knowing that you'd play more Far Cry and give it a higher rating? Yes. Yes. Possibly. It's probable. Right? In fact. Yes. I actually, I would be more surprised if it was anything. Right. No. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I love the wild animal aspect. I was clearing an outpost the other day, and like right at the end, I'm like, I right, dope. I I just did it, and of course a bear comes. Oh my god, Jesus Christ! All right, now I need to deal with this before I can actually like bathe in the glory of my success here. But that's like they, moments like that is what makes it so unique and fun, you know? They literally they literally come out of like nowhere. Like you mm. could just be like you could just be hanging out in like a house and all of a sudden before you know it a fucking mountain lion is coming yeah. out of the attic exactly. so i like it a lot it's cool and there's a lot of like this is a really actually kind of impressive open world because it's pretty big mm. i've probably logged in about four or five hours already yep. and i've only probably gone through maybe like 25 percent of the map if that right. so along with the story mode along with the actual total area to cover mm. i'm barely even there and i've already logged about four or five hours like i said so there is a lot of time to be invested in this game, and I like that. I like that that this isn't something like a Call of Duty where you have like five hours of story, and that's pretty much mm-hmm. it. Like Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto is pretty long. Like, but I feel like I could get through the Grand Theft Auto story rather quickly. Right. This one, I barely even touched the surface, and I, like I said, I've logged in like five, six hours. Yeah, so I think that's important to say. It, it's as far as shooting mechanics go, I'd say it's 
decently on par with like Call of Duty. It feels smooth. Nothing feels that clunky when you're actually like fighting enemies. But then, you know, it's a little more in-depth than that type of a game where you have a skills tree where you can designate different points to different perks. And then the story is very interesting mixed with the open world. So, like, when you come in, it takes, a, at least on Xbox One, I can't speak for any of the other consoles, it takes a decent amount of time to load in. Um, mm. But then once you're in, you're, you can go anywhere, you can do anything, which is pretty uh, yeah, impressive. The load times are pretty solid. Mm. I at first wasn't a fan that there was really kind of like a black screen in between like cutscenes mm. and gameplay. Right. And like with games nowadays, like things like Grand Theft Auto, they're all like kind of seamless. Mm. Like there'll be a cut screen before you know you're playing. Yeah. But I noticed it was really inconsistent. Like there were some scenes where it was immediately just cutting the gameplay, and there were some things where it was cutting the black and then cutting the gameplay. Mm. Uh, that was one of my only problems at first, but it, that's gone away as I've played, especially once you're kind of away from the beginning is more cinematic than anything. Mm-hmm. So once you've, once I've gone away from that and I'm in the actual gameplay, it's, uh, it's been really smooth. I, like I, I'm a huge fan. The more, more I've played it, I'm even higher now than I was when we recorded yesterday pre cyber attack. <laughs> yes. Before that, um, I, I have enjoyed it quite a bit. I actually was texting my brother about it. And I was like, man, is this what all the Far Cries are like? If so, I've been, like, missing out, you know? I, like I said, I'm not 100% sure I would enjoy it as much in a different mm-hmm. setting. I mean, I can't speak because I haven't had the opportunity to try it yet, but I'm really digging, like, like the Montana middle-of-nowhere setting. Mm-hmm. Because you have, like, you have kind of, like, the American aspect. There's some, like, current, like, political references in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously not directly to Trump or anything like that. But there's, like, just, like, the current state of America. Like, there's a lot of, like references to that so i think it's kind of cool to play in that and really it's just in the end it's really just fun to just run around and just shoot shit up because mm-hmm. like even like grand theft auto you know you can do that but there's uh, like the story mode in grand theft, i feel like grand theft auto during the single player it's really more story driven than anything mm-hmm. um obviously like i said you can go around and shoot things up in that but i feel like in this one even we talked about the guns and the shooting and all that i feel like it's maybe a little smoother than grand theft auto mm-hmm which I've liked, and I've liked the customization a lot. And I've been a big fan that the in-game currency is actually earned in-game. Mm-hmm. And so, as we talked about yesterday, there's two different in-game currencies. There's an in-game currency, which you actually earn in-game, mm-hmm. and then you can purchase with real money. I think it's like silver bars or like pl- like gold bars or something like that right. is what it's called in-game. And so you can spend $5 and get something that you would take up to $10,000 in-game currency. Mm-hmm. But... I've earned it fairly quickly because you can hunt, you can get pelts from like bears and wolves and shit, and you can like find maps, you can like sell like premium things that you end up finding. Uh, so I haven't had an issue finding any currency, so I really don't see any reason why I would buy uh, and use actual money to level up in this game. Right. So it's really nice because uh, Ubisoft is kind of I feel like has cash grabs at some, at times. Yeah, somewhat especially... notorious for those things, especially in like games like Watchdog and. Yeah, and things like things like Assassin's Creed, which have probably gone maybe one or two games mm-hmm. too far without really any kind of sort of switch up the gameplay at all. Mm-hmm. So, and I can see why maybe if that's a similar thing with Far Cry, why people who are fans of the Far Cry series would be upset because that was the same reason I'm upset about the Assassin's Creed series. Right. But I'm not a previous player of Far Cry, so that's not an issue for me, and I'm really having a lot of fun. So I I I, I really give this two thumbs up, and I give it even more than. I did the first time. Yeah, so you said you're 8.8 out of 10. 
Um, yep. I, I want to take the opportunity because uh, probably barely anybody watched um, the video game review series we were doing for a short time over on Last of the Good Ones, but it's called The Good, The Bad, and The Awful, and we're going to move that over to Wicked Everything. Obviously, it makes a lot more sense on this channel, so I'll kind of do like a preview of that because this is the first game I'm going to go in depth on for that series. So, so far as the good, I would say the mechanics feel smooth, the transition between like areas is seamless and I love the open world and I just am a big fan of the story so far. The bad for me would be the main antagonists and protagonists are really like fully realized, well rendered. Um, you can tell they did some motion capture for all of them, but the like enemies are kind of like outside of those are kind of copies the kind of like grunts if you will are like there's a lot of like burly man with beard and long hair that you fight yeah. and then there's yeah. a lot of like bald men or women um in white clothes that you fight in another area there really is there's a, there really is a lot of just like generic mm. like hillbilly gun nut now, obviously, clearly, religious fanatic people in this game. Like, there's really probably only, like, a variant of, like, ten different characters yeah. in this. But it hasn't bothered me. You know, yeah. it's it's something that I definitely did notice, but it's not something that has affected the gameplay to me at all. It's, I'm just like, all these people kind of look the same anyway, so whatever. Right, and that's for awful. I'm not far enough in the game to label anything as truly terrible, so that will be saved for when the full review comes out pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, so... Like we said, this is kind of a review in progress, so we're going to keep playing. We'll probably review a little bit more. Uh, once Brian and I have maybe completed the story mode, mm. is probably when we can kind of try and do a deep dive. But I'm, I'm hyped, man. I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep – and like I said, I barely even have touched the main mission so far. Mm. I'm having a lot of fun just doing all the side stuff and kind of just running around. Yeah, no, so. same. And I think the best compliment I can give to a game is like when you – like I've been visiting relatives and Jenny's family – uh, for this weekend, so I've been away from my console, and I've been, like, jonesing to get back to it. Yeah, like, no, I really same. want to play again. Same. I was I was so tired last night that I was kind of, uh, I, I was a little pissed that I needed to go to sleep, because I knew I was going to end up getting early, up early this morning. Yeah. Uh, but same, I, I, I'm, and it's been a long time since I really have, like, missed playing a game. Like, I've been, kind of been out and just thinking about it. Because even with something like Fortnite, where like I, I, I'm obsessed with it and I like playing it, but mm. I haven't been like out at work or like out in public doing things where I've been like, oh fuck, like, I really want to get home and play Fortnite. Yeah. But Far Cry this past this past weekend, and I've gone I've gone out like a decent amount. I've been like, oh shit, you know, I kind of want to play Far Cry. Mm. Yeah, I don't think since um, I know this isn't the most popular Call of Duty, but I probably Advanced Warfare was the last like game where I was like, I just want to go home and play this game. <laughs> You know, so this is this is big, uh, big compliment for me. Uh, and I would say, if you're a fan of Far Cry, you probably have already bought it. But if you're not a far, fan of Far Cry, don't let the five intimidate you. It's a, it's standalone story, and it's really good. And both of us like it quite a bit. No, and I have I have talked to a lot of people. You know, you and I are both people that are coming in fresh to the Far Cry series. I've talked to a lot of people that have never played any Far Cry that that have that were considering buying this like pre any reviews in progress so mm -hmm. i think this is cool this they is were waiting cool, on like, us right 
They were waiting yeah, to find like, out what 100%. was yeah, yes, yeah. Understandable. So, I, yeah, no, I think it's cool that, like, this game, like, they, I think that they promoted it pretty well. Yeah, They've done, yes. like, some pretty good commercials on TV, but even before that, like, the trailer really, like, hyped me, mm-hmm. like, got me into it. And it was good enough that, like, it sold me to buy into a franchise I've never even played before and really haven't even paid that much attention mm-hmm. to. So, yeah, no, this is good. Yeah, 100%. Like, if you're hesitant to buy and you need looking for a game to buy, get this because it's – it's good story. It's good free roam. It's all open world. So yeah. two thumbs up, man. I, I'm I'm looking forward to playing more. Right, and if you're like an Xbox owner who is like hyped up to buy Sea of Thieves and then found out that maybe not what you thought it was going to be, just buy this instead. You'll be happier. Yes, yes. <laughs> so all right, that's Far Cry Five, man. And when we return, we will be doing a spoiler-free review of Ready Player One. Awesome. Let's get into it. Three keys. Three hidden challenges test for worthy traits. Revealing three hidden keys to three magic gates. All right, welcome back. Brian, so I am excited to talk about this for a second time. <laughs> I might not be as as aware and excited as I was yesterday, but I'm still pretty pumped up to talk about this. It is Ready Player One, which Brian and I both saw on Friday, the release day. Yes, it was and a went... really great showing. I hadn't, I hadn't been to that IMAX theater you suggested in a while, and for fifteen bucks, I would say go, go see it in IMAX, man. Hundred percent, yeah. So we went to the IMAX in Reading, Massachusetts, mm. at the Jordan's Furniture, which to me is the best theater in the world. Mm. I don't know how you can honestly get any better than that theater for fifteen dollars. It's, it's outrageous for fifteen dollars. I've gone to like shittier theaters around me <laughs> right. where it's like it's the same price, if not more, and like my back feels like like a kid's kicking me mm. the entire time, and I turn around, there's no one there. Right. So the it, it, yeah, it like a separate little review. Jordan's furniture in Reading, mm. the IMAX. I give that a eleven out of ten. <laughs> that theater is fucking awesome. As I was talking about with you yesterday, I legitimately like don't want to move away right. from that yeah. because I don't want to be away from that theater because I really think I would maybe like take a flight back if it was for something like Avengers or something like that. It's understandable, so. honestly. I yeah, get that theater's fucking after going. Yeah, it's it's really great. So, not to get too sidetracked. So, back <laughs> on to Ready Player One. Uh, I went into this pretty blind. I know, Brian, you were a book reader. Yes. I was basically the exact opposite. I never read the book. I saw one trailer three months ago that I was sold enough to be like, you know what? I think this movie's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I knew it was directed by Steven Spielberg, which was the biggest selling point for me. But I also saw that there was a shitload of movie references, movies that I love, mm-hmm. mainly the very prominently featured Back, Back to the Future car, the, the DeLorean. Yes. I was hyped up to see that, as we'll get into in a little while. That did not let me down at all. Yeah, I would and, say the big two were the DeLorean and the Iron Giant were featured prominently in the promotional materials. 100%, 100%. So not really much of a spoiler that they're both in right. it. And so, yeah, I was going in blind, which I was kind of excited. And then once we started doing this podcast, uh, we both agreed that this is going to be one of the first movies we ended up reviewing pretty much essentially live, like the weekend it came yeah. out, which was exciting and it made me really even more excited for this movie. So I was going in as blind, like with zero expectations as possible, and I came out fucking loving this movie. This movie was so much fun. It was honestly – it wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen, but this mm-hmm. was probably the most fun I've ever had at the movie theater. Yeah. Like I – Don't go on. I was really – I was just sitting there like like – 
with a grin on my face the entire time, mm-hmm. just like glued to my seat, just watching this, which is in awe. It was, and it was really more like I think the nostalgia definitely had a play in it, because it was just so awesome to see all these '80s and '90s pop culture references, and even there's some like current day pop culture references in there, which is pretty cool. But I love this movie. Yeah, no, like you said, I think it did a good job incorporating everything from, you know, tracers in this movie. That's not a spoiler in the trailer, but then there's also like really in-depth 80s and 90s references. So it did a good job kind of making it feel real in that sense. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of 80s and 90s references. Mm-hmm. I've heard some complaints where maybe there was too many, which I highly disagree with. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of the 80s and 90s pop culture in general. I prefer that over any other time period, whether it's music, video games, movies, Maybe not so much TV. TV, as of right now, is this is the best time to live for TV. But right. movies, video games, comic books, things like that, no better time than the 80s and 90s to me. Mm-hmm. And it was just so much fun to see all these things in one movie. Right. So it's a WB-produced movie, obviously directed by Steven Spielberg. So we get a lot of WB stuff. We get, like, Batman. We get some Mortal Kombat stuff. Mm-hmm. We get, obviously, Back to the Future. We get some other properties that we'll go into in the spoiler discussion, which we'll do after this, mm-hmm. that just seeing everything together was just awesome. It was so much fun. And like I said, this isn't the greatest movie I've ever seen, but this is 100% the funnest I've ever had in a movie theater or seeing a movie for the first time. Yeah, I think and, when we were leaving, all I could just keep saying was like, that oh, was just a fun movie, man. That was just fun. It was just fun. Like That's like... That's like the theme that I can say the most of this movie is it's just fun. Like it's, I never at one point checked my watch, checked my phone. Mm-hmm. I was just having a lot of fun. And this isn't necessarily like a, a quick movie. This is two hours and 20 minutes mm-hmm. long, but it did not feel like two hours and 20 minutes long. Like, like I think it really did a great job with pacing. Um, we obviously have the three, three keys you need to get, which will lead to something final, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. in the spoiler discussion as well. And I thought it was paced really well. Like, I really thought, like, they did a great job introducing the world. Like I said, I'm, I was going into the world essentially completely blind. They did a great job introducing everybody the world and what was going on. And, like, five minutes in, I was – I not even five minutes in, dude. The second the second the movie started where we heard Jump by Van Halen, like, immediately, dude, I was, I was sold. I'm like, this movie's already off to a great start. And then the second we went into the Oasis, I was just like, holy shit. Like, this is great. And – I'll get a little more into it in our spoiler talk later, but the race for the very first key in the beginning is some of the funnest I've like not not yeah. even funnest because I've already explained how fucking fun it is. <laughs> some of the most badass stuff I've seen in, in, on a TV, like it was just great because yeah. you had so many different properties in terms of cars racing at once. Yeah, that including the DeLorean, which I had like a tear to my eye when I heard the DeLorean power up. Yeah. It was it was just fun. Like, like I said, this movie was just so much goddamn fun that I, I I have not stopped thinking about it since. I just want to go back and have the fun all over mm-hmm. again. I think when we were watching the movie, you like turned to me when he like tosses his mini DeLorean and it grows, and you're just like, wow, that was really cool. It was like, so sweet because like I like I didn't know that Percival, who was played by Ty Sheridan, mm-hmm. was going to be the one that had the DeLorean. I just thought it was in it. Right. And when he threw it out. And you saw like the blueprint of the DeLorean taking shape before it fully took like shape. I was just like, oh, there it is, there it is, man. And then right when he gets in it, and you hear like the DeLorean sound, mm. it was just so fucking sweet. Yeah. It just it was so it was just it was awesome. awesome. And 
I'm not 120% sure that if you're going to this movie, not a big fan of 80s and 90s pop culture, that you're going to have as much fun mm-hmm. as someone who's a fan of that time would. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but at the same time, I think that you would still enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just sure that you would come out of it like, holy shit, like I did, and I know a lot of other people did. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm giving this movie like an 8.9. Right. Um, I think as a whole, I'm probably giving the movie like an 8.2, but the the fact that I had as much fun as I did, I'm giving the fun like a 10, point, 10 out of 10. Mm. So combining those two together, I think an 8.9 is really fair. Like it's a really, really fun movie. Right. And if you're going in like me with no expectations, I that's really the best way to go into movies because I've really been like a slave to like Rotten Tomato scores and things like that, mm. which have ruined experiences for me before. But if you're going to this movie with zero expectations – it's great. And like I said, if you have any appreciation at all for 80s and 90s pop culture, you're going to enjoy it just as much. Like, it's just, it's so fucking fun. And like, in the end, that's is like that's why we go to the movie theaters to have. And things like Last Jedi, where I have to dissect everything and yeah. I'm just like too involved with the universe. Right. You can't have fun at that point. Like, I didn't have fun watching Last Jedi. Maybe with like the throne room scene, but after that, I didn't really have fun. Mm-hmm. With this movie, I had fun the entire movie. Right. I think, and a big thing about it is this is not a movie that's trying to build a universe. This is just a one-off, and we are able to enjoy it for what it was and not worry about, like, oh, is this going to set up this in the future? Is this reference for this thing? We're just ready to take it all in. And So what, I, what I've learned is that this hasn't really been that big of a movie with book readers. I Because mm-hmm. as we talked about, I know you were a book reader. Yeah. It's kind of it kind of derived a, a pretty far ways from the book. Yeah, like it it kind of distanced itself from the book, other than the main overall plot. Because even like the first two keys, getting the first two keys isn't necessarily the same as the book. Mm. It's not. It's and, not the same at all. Yeah, and so I, I'm glad that it wasn't like the book. Cause like I think you said it best. You said if they took the book to the movie it wouldn't have worked yeah. if they took the movie to the book it would not have worked that way either no it would have been the action is incredible in this movie it really is and the first two key quests are so cool and so mm. like unique and badass and it's 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 just the book is not that cinematic there are certainly cinematic parts like that they kept in like the dance club being raided by the sixers mm. and stuff which is like okay yeah that that's like really neat and i'm glad they kept it but like in terms of the quests it really wouldn't have been as good as what they ended up doing yeah so to give a little bit of a background for this movie because i once again completely forgot to do it in the beginning like i did the first time i recorded that's right uh ready player one which came out 2018 this past friday uh, the overall synopsis is when a creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he, re- he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. Mm-hmm. Directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Zach Penn and Ernest Cline, starring Ty Sheridan as Percival and Wade, Olivia Cook as Artemis and Samantha, mm-hmm. Ben Mendelsohn as the big baddie Sorrento, who I he did a, a fucking fantastic job as a bad person. As always, usual. yeah. Uh, Lena Waithe, who you will know from uh, Master of None, she stars as H. Yep, H. I guess and she's I, she's great. Well, I mean, it's not really much of a spoiler because she's featured pretty clearly on the. On the uh, poster, so she stars as H. We have T.J. Miller, 
as Irock, mm-hmm. Simon Pegg as Ogden Morrow, and Mark Rylance as uh, Holiday, who is the aforementioned creator of the Oasis, who unfortunately dies. But he yeah. still is featured pretty prominently in this movie. Yeah, dies uh, to set up the whole plot. Yes. <laughs> so, I think this was perfectly cast. I can't really imagine, like, a different cast playing as the making this as well as this cast mm-hmm. did. I think everybody really did their job greatly. Uh, obviously, Ben Mendelsohn, fantastic. He's so good as a bad person. Mm-hmm. He, you really saw him shine in Rogue One, but I think he shines even more so in this. Yeah. Uh, T.J. Miller, perfect. Oh my god, he, not a book character, but holy crap, perfect for the hilarious. And I actually didn't know he wasn't a book character, so that's actually. Still, even more impressive that he's able to bring that without any like pre-references mm. at all. Unless, uh, like, I'm he, just misremembering, but I don't believe he's in the book. I didn't remember him. And if that if he was in the book, that means that he did such a great job that he made an unmemorable character memorable. There you go. And then uh, I think Mark Rylance did a fantastic job of Holiday as well. He mm. really kind of sold like that '80s, like kind of like, hey, whatever, man, yeah. nerd. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, he does it so well, and even like his in-game character is like just so perfect mm-hmm. and he just, just plays it so well and this is this is just a, a very very well cast movie and obviously you have steven spielberg and as we mentioned i'm not 100 percent sure this movie is as good as it is without steven spielberg and no, that goes beyond not. just directing it's kind of more i can't imagine anybody else in hollywood getting the properties that were brought into this movie other yeah. than steven spielberg and the connections he has yeah this is we the have most a, spielberg movie of all time we have a shitload of crossovers mm-hmm. from different studios in this movie, and like I like I said, I really can't imagine any other director getting these properties. And just like it was just perfect. It was just such a typical Steven Spielberg movie yep. in terms of like when you see a Spielberg movie, you expect to have fun. Maybe not going to see the post, the post <laughs> yeah, which ended up replacing the slot this movie was originally going to be released in, mm-hmm. but. I can't imagine anyone directing this movie. And people who are directors who were considered for this movie prior to Spielberg signing on were Christopher Nolan, mm-hmm. Robert Zemeckis, who is mentioned quite often in this movie, Matthew Vaughn, Peter Jackson, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. And as great as directors as they all are, obviously Christopher Nolan is one of my top directors. Mm-hmm. Zemeckis, like Back to the Future and all that, you can't fucking beat that. Right. Peter Jackson, obviously, has created some of the prettiest movies we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Nobody else would have been able to make this movie like Spielberg. Because I think Spielberg, more so than anybody else, gets like personal personal relationships and offset comedy while at the same time having like a like a real like real story. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg has the ability to take like a real story and put it into a very, very fictional world. Mm-hmm. And he does that just as just as good in this movie as he ever has before. Right. So I'm giving this, as I said, an 8.9. Mm-hmm. 200 thumbs up for me. Like <laughs> I'm going to go see this at least one more time in the movie theater, mm-hmm. and I'm going to buy it the day it comes out on Blu-ray, which I don't do for any movies at all. Right. At all anymore. Um, and I'm going to 100% do it for this, because this movie was that good. I loved it that much. Like I said, it wasn't the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it's just so much fucking fun. And we'll talk about some of the comedy in our spoiler section coming up in a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing particularly, which involves a doll, that made me shit my pants with laughter. Right. Uh, but 100% go see this. You'll have a lot of fun. If you have an appreciation for 80s and 90s pop culture, 
you're going to have just as much fun. Mm-hmm. It, it, it Like, the nostalgia in this is 110% real. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw the Iron Giant for the first time, I was like, holy shit, mm-hmm. that's the Iron Giant. Like, right. I knew he was going to be in this movie, but at the same time, you're seeing him, like, it brings back the kid in you. And that's what another thing Spielberg really does. He brings out the kid in you, and it like, allows you to have fun. Mm-hmm. And it's not something like Last Jedi where you're trying to sit there and think, like, fuck, what are they doing to my universe? Right, right. This is, yeah. uh, you know, this is the reason we go to the movies. 100%. And as you mentioned before, I'm so glad this wasn't brought down by the current current times studios in Hollywood mm-hmm. where if this thing was put into a like trilogy or something like that, I don't know if I would have had as much fun. I honestly could probably safely say I would. Right. Because if this was like three movies where like each movie was about finding a key, mm-hmm. fuck. That would have been so It wouldn't have been good. No, it would have sucked, and that's what sadly has happened to a lot of properties in Hollywood these days yeah. when they're turning into franchises. Yeah, leave this, leave this be. We don't need a Ready Player Two. No, as we said yeah. yesterday, like if it's a Ready Player Two, I'm out. Yeah, I'm ending anything to do with this universe of Ready Player One because that's how it should mm-hmm. be. And like people say, it should have been one for like each key. It's like, dude, the first getting the first key is the inciting incident of the movie. Like. That's just kicking the movie off. It's not like this epic journey to get one key. It's an epic journey to get all three keys. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. You know. Like the like this movie is wrapped up in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like there's no like cliffhanger ending where you're like, oh shit, man, the Ready Player Two, let's go. Like like this movie is wrapped up in this movie, and I'm so happy it was. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just I'm and I don't think Spielberg would have been tagged on for like a trilogy of this. No. And no, definitely. I like if Spielberg wasn't doing this movie, I'm not like I said, I'm not 100 sure I would have as much fun because Spielberg is just so good at what he does. But it's perfect. It was perfect to me. Right. It was it, it was not the greatest movie ever, but it was perfect to me in the sense that I just had so much fun. And really, that's what going to the theaters is all about. Right. And the only sequel I can ever I can really think that Spielberg ever directed was the Lost World. Mm-hmm. And like and Indiana Jones. Oh Indiana yes, Jones. okay. Sorry, sorry. Technically done all of those. Right. No, it's okay. Uh, forgot about Indiana Jones. Um, really crazy that he's directed all of this. Yeah, pretty cool. It's uh, he's like pretty much directed like my movie fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've mentioned in previous uh podcasts, 100 percent go on HBO and check out the Spielberg documentary because you want to talk about nostalgia and putting a smile on your face. The Spielberg documentary, which might be my all-time favorite documentary runs down pretty much all his movies from the time he first started directing mm-hmm. all the way up until right before Ready Player One. And in typical Spielberg fashion, even though it's all about him, it's just so much fun. He's created some of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, um, no Movies, you want to talk about pop culture references, which surprisingly he removed a lot of his own, mm-hmm. which he pretty much said that he didn't want to be pretentious. He wanted to not pat his own back. He, and as you mentioned, there was a lot of Spielberg references in the book. Oh, yes. Tons. With this movie, there's not as much. There's one or two that we'll get into in spoilers, but nothing at all like what I've been hearing about the book. Right. Which I it didn't affect the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the Spielberg references that were in there worked. Mm-hmm. So before we keep rambling, I think that uh, and before I say something I regret, I think we should uh, maybe get on to our uh, spoilers. Yeah. So your what was your final score? Eight point eight. Eight point. 8.9. I bumped it up. Bumped up. Yeah, so. All right, and mine is a solid 8, which is, you know, I, I hate when people are like, oh, okay, like, unless it's like a 9 or 10, it's bad. 8's really great. Go see this movie. You're going to have a good time. 100%. So, for the people leaving, Brian, well, let's uh, ch- check out with them right now. So, 
make sure you jump on YouTube and subscribe to Wicked Good Everything. Yes. Brian has been streaming a lot. The whole team over there has been streaming a lot. We're on the pursuit mm -hmm. for 150 subscribers because we did reach our 100, 100 subscribers this past week, yes. which we finally have our own custom URL, Very big which deal. Brian was foaming at the mouth to get. <laughs> so finally he can chill out. Uh, but we are now in the pursuit for 150. Yes. And we're getting there, but we're not we're not there yet. So kind of sadly, if we don't get the 150, we're shipping Brian off to Montana to live in the wilderness. Yeah, it's not going to be good for me, guys. I'm not like a big outdoors person in general. Plus, um, you know, my family line, uh, one of my very distant relatives was the first governor of Montana, and he got drunk and fell off a boat and drowned. So it's just not a good place for Mars. In general. Yes. Yes. And, and Brian will, in all likelihood, get confused for a bear and get killed by a hunter. Yeah. I'll, so, like, I'll die in five minutes in Montana. Yes. So we don't want Brian to die. We don't want to send him to Montana. <laughs> so please go on and subscribe. Get us to 150. We put out content every single day. And I honestly shouldn't even be allowed to say me included in the we because no, uh, we the, we're, we're a big the family. But the thing. The things that our team is doing over there, putting out content every single day, pretty much streaming every single day, it's been pretty incredible. And, you know, we're finally starting to get the recognition that Wicked Good Everything deserves. So please get on, subscribe. We're getting the 150. We're now hopefully just one step closer to 150 million. Yes, and uh, thank you all for coming around and listening to this podcast, of course. If you're checking out now, we will see you next week. And let's go to spoilers. See you guys. All right, so we are back for spoilers. Brian. Yes. Very first spoiler. Uh, I actually might get into one of the only things I didn't. Yes, like please do. Which is the ending, mm -hmm. where we have uh, Sorrento finally locates the truck that is holding Parzival, Artemis, H, uh, Sho, and Daito. Mm -hmm. And he has a gun, and he's apparently the only person in that entire city that has a gun. Yes, the only, and, only person in the world. And he is surrounded by 300-plus people mm -hmm. who he only probably has, like, eight bullets. And I get no one wants to die, but they very could have easily ripped him apart. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it had basically been proven that he had blown up the stacks and killed, I'm going to have to imagine, at least maybe, like, ten people. Yeah. Like, that wasn't, like, a minor explosion. That's their community. He just perpetuated a terrorist attack against them. You'd think they'd be, like, pretty mad. Like, I really thought at first he was going to have his, like, rims, limbs ripped mm. off, which didn't end up happening. So he finally makes his way to the truck and opens the back. And he sees that Parzival has finally found the Easter egg, which was a pretty, like, cool, like, emotional scene. Yeah. But Sorrento gets so fed up with emotion that he decides that his killing rampage is stopping at doing everything short of, for some reason, just killing the main character, yeah. which has been his goal. And he has, like... His conscience kicks in. He's like, oh, you know, it's sweet that these kids are playing these video games. So I'm not going to get killed. I'm just going to go to jail uh, without a fight. Yeah. And that was bad. As you as <laughs> you said yesterday, this is actually a very, very typical 80s movie ending. Yes. That was the first and, thing I thought. I was like, oh, this is like a very 80s movie and this is a very 80s movie ending. I thought that was a great point, which because it really is. Mm. But... I didn't think that that was the ending this movie was going to get because they did get dark at some point, yeah. especially with Rento's character. And I don't know. It was that part and that part alone for like maybe that minute and a half was very underwhelming to me. Mm. But that was like the only complaint I had about this movie at all, really. Yeah, no, I definitely understand. I think if they just ended it with the mob just like not killing him but just like stopping him and disarming him, I think it would have been a good ending. 
Yeah, it would have been fine to me. Yeah, like they all just jumped on him. Yeah, because like, it would have been his actions resulting in his downfall. Like he did this to this community, and they would have, you know, stood up. It was the and protected. It was own. the common. It was the common people standing up against like corporations. Yeah. It was really, which kind of was like the whole message of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my only issue. But to kind of get into some of the fun stuff, I'm gonna start the race. So the race is fucking awesome. Yes, I really like. I literally had a tear to my eye when he fires up the DeLorean, and the part where he says that he's going into the back because he needs the coins to get his gas up. I thought that was really smart. So eventually he figures out that he needs to start, he needs to go backwards. And I, and like, I, at first I really misunderstood that part. Cause I thought for some reason him being in a DeLorean, he was going to somehow do some kind of like time jump, mm-hmm. which I don't understand. How. <laughs> but obviously, so they go to like the memory bank movie theater, which I thought was a fucking brilliant idea. Like I really thought that that was like pretty solid for them to be able to go back and see holidays, like memories, both us and them seeing it at the same time, mm-hmm. which I thought that was really, and I guess you said that that was not in the book? No, no, I don't recall it at all. I think a lot of the expositionary scenes regarding Holiday are just... Do you remember in the movie there's when H and him are kind of chilling in H's like basement type hangout? Yep. There's a lot more of that place in the movie, and I believe they're just like... They just kind of talk. More talking about it rather than actually showing yes. it. I got yep. you. Um, and so eventually he goes underneath it, obviously, and he beats it, and he finds a way to jump ahead of King Kong, which was like the end all be all. King Kong was stopping everyone from doing it and then they obviously pieced together that holiday fucking hated rules. He didn't want it to be where there was no way they could beat this. Uh, so I thought that was really smart. Uh I, I really I was down with like I like I said, with that a lot of things in this movie I was just really like cool with. Like yeah. I, I I nothing at all I rolled my eyes at or anything like that. Um the relationship between Parzival and Artemis mm-hmm. I guess it bothered a lot of people. I guess they said it felt a little bit forced. I thought the chemistry there was really good. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't bothered by it at all. Maybe that's because I read the book, so I knew they were going to end up together. But I thought it did a good job of showing that they like, you know, they have a lot of common interests. They share a lot of stuff, and they click really well. So. And we talk. We talked earlier about characters being perfectly cast. Like I thought the people playing Parzival and Artemis. Mm-hmm were very very well cast like i thought they played their roles perfectly mm-hmm. and obviously i'm going in blind different from the book but i like i can't imagine anybody else playing these roles now uh especially Artemis, she was a badass she was like, like she wade was great. like wade parzival like he was really good like i i liked him as a character but artemis was, was she was cool mm-hmm. and like uh i know one of the things you liked was when they talked about uh her streaming on twitch which obviously we do as well yeah we like it, it um it really, like, distracted me a little bit because I was like, Twitch, how did this work in Twitch? And then for, like, five minutes, I was, like, thinking about all the possibilities of Twitch in this universe. It was uh, it was kind of cool because there was a lot of, like, modern stuff. In this. Like, they first introduced, like, the Minecraft world, like, right away. And we were obviously getting things like Twitch and, like, that. And we saw the fucking Arkham Knight multiple yeah. times. Thought it was Someone's really cool. Someone's climbing a mountain with Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Everything, everything was just fucking great in this movie. And one of the scenes I also loved was when they go to the dance club, mm-hmm. and they're in there dancing. And fucking I Rock, TJ Miller, comes in and he goes into a booth that has Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. Arkham Knight, Harley yep. Quinn. And he goes in there and he kind of sits down. And they're all like fucking terrified mm-hmm. of him, and he just goes like, "Get out." Oh, that's so uh, I thought, I thought that was in this movie. But that whole that whole dance club scene, like I thought that was really cool. And eventually when. Uh, what's what's the name of the corporation again? IOI. When they eventually, when IOI shows up, 
and they're getting their ass kicked, and finally Parzival pulls out his Zemeckis oh, cube, so which the Zemeckis cube talking about the director of Back to the Future. <laughs> he throws it, it resets time. I thought that was great. I thought that was hilarious. It's like, it, when, yeah. I, when they first introduced it, I didn't hear that part. I was like, Zemeckis, I didn't, I, I didn't get it. But then when he like uses it to turn back in time, I was like, oh, like the director. All right, I'm into this. And then they have that, and they have the Holy Hand Grenade from Monty Python. Yeah, it was Hilarious. great, too. Yep. Just watched some Life of Brian this morning at a Easter brunch. So <laughs> yep. Big yep. on Monty Python right now. And then one of the other scenes after that, which is going to be a favorite for a lot of people, is when he goes into The Shining. Mm-hmm. Dude, and... oh, my God, dude. I love that scene. I, I'm sure there are now... people who read the book who are book purists who hated it, but I was so entertained by that. The whole thing with H never seeing The Shining, so not <laughs> knowing to go near the twins or yep. the fucking elevators or anything like that. Or into the hilarious. room. Like I was I was basically laughing the entire time that was going on. Because like you you if you saw the shining knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was hilarious. Like, the elevator and all the blood co- just oh, it's so good. Everything just works so well. Like it really it, it just works so well. And even like kind of like on like an emotional side, mm-hmm. the uh the relationship between Morrow and Holiday and that whole background. Yep. I thought that was good. I thought that was fantastic. Like the part with Holiday falling in love and kind of being afraid to pull the trigger mm. with who would end up being Ogden Morrow's wife. Yeah. Like I thought that was like kind of touching. It was really good. Um, and I, and like somehow I, I, asked me Simon Pegg was playing Morrow. He was great in the yeah, role. He was, he was, he was really good. Even like, even when he got older later on in the movie, mm. like I, he, Simon Pegg was great. Like I said, everybody in this movie was so, so well cast. Mm. It was, it was really impressive. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, kind of. I don't want to keep rambling because, unfortunately, this was our second time recording this. Yeah, I don't know, unfortunately. Uh, it is what it is. No, uh, one of the things where I laughed the most, and I'm sure a lot of people did, was when Chucky comes into it. Oh my God, yes. And he says, "H says, hey, try this," mm-hmm. and he fucking throws Parzival Chucky, and then he finally just throws Chucky out the window, yeah. and the fucking guy goes, "It's fucking Chucky." Yeah. That part was hilarious. It was uh, everything worked so well. Yeah. That and then the um, seeing the Sixers in the Shining universe yep. and they're all yep. losing their shit because they're all Hilarious. getting killed. So funny. Everything, everything with the Shining part worked perfectly. Like everything I thought was hilarious, and I know it was meant to be hilarious. Mm. I even jumped a little bit too when he's in the when he's in the room and what's her name turns into the old lady oh and yes. acts and all that. And she's like, I "Oh, I'm just gonna go for this." It was so funny yeah. and it worked so good. And like, like I said. The end all be the, the end all be all of this movie was it was fun mm. and I had so much fucking fun with all the references it was perfect like everything just worked perfectly mm. for me. Actually, when they go into the movie theater and you're like, oh, are they gonna watch a movie? What's happening? And then they go through the door and they're in the set of The Shining. Mm. I literally like out loud was like, oh, that's cool, because it was yeah. cool. It was so neat. This whole movie just so many moments like that. It's really like it's it's an, it's. Uh, it's nostalgia's like, like, prob like promise baby. I don't even know how to word it. Like this is like this is as nostalgic as you can get with something because you have so many different platforms and copy and copyrighted things crossing at once, where there will never be like another movie like no, this where you this just is a have movie so many Steven Spielberg could put together. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm just a big fan. Like, I honestly, I, I cannot wait to go see this shit again. Like, it was just, everything worked for me. Like, everything we just talked about in this full discussion was fucking hilarious. 
uh, the Chucky thing was just laugh out loud funny because it was so unexpected that I had like zero idea Chucky was in this. Me either, um, man. This is not a book thing. This is just a hilarious moment for the movie. And even with uh, even with the the one life coin, like obviously, like when he got the coin, we knew it was gonna play a big part. Yeah. And eventually, when he got it, I was totally unexpected. Like I didn't realize that's when it was gonna be used, but it was perfect. Yeah. And in the book, that's kind of like a moment where he thinks he's on to the second key, and he plays this Pac-Man machine, and he, like, beats the high score, and he doesn't get a key, but he gets this coin. And he's like, yep. okay, I guess that was kind of a waste of time. Yep. But they do a yep. great way in this where he um, makes a bet with uh, what turns out to be Moro's character about something, mm -hmm. and he's right, and Moro's like, well, okay, here, have this extra life coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now and then, Morrow ended up being uh, like the little like waiter yeah. butler guy in like the memory movie theater. Yes. I thought that was that smart was so too. Fun. That, was, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was just like everything in this movie was just perfect and fun. Uh, it was a blast. And then like the reveal that that H was a girl. Yeah. I didn't think it was that much of a reveal. Obviously, if you've never seen Master of None and you didn't know who Lena Waithe is, I guess it would be a little more surprising. Yeah. But I knew it was coming. But all at the same time, like having uh, Wade and Helen meet for the first time, like they're best friends in the virtual world, which is like a real world to them. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool. Like it was uh, oh, like all the emotional hits in this movie really hit well. Yeah. And I like it because like they all get to meet each other. Um, they're gonna presumably be friends in real life as well as online. And mm -hmm. I I think it's um, especially interesting for people like us who grew up and kind of like played a lot of online games. It's always interesting to meet people through these games and then meet them in real life and like become friends with them because it does happen. It is a real thing, you know. Hundred percent. So yeah. I yeah. I enjoyed that part about it too, and I think they changed some parts that kind of made the book a little too dark for the movie tone they were going for, such as um, Dido getting straight up thrown out of a window and mm. murdered. Um, he does not die in the movie, which I liked. I think it fit the tone for this movie. Yeah, and as, as we mentioned, uh, if Dido was end up being murdered and we still had the ending of Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, it wouldn't like, have worked. You're right. Yeah. No, I would have I would have probably had a whole different opinion on this movie. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, like we said, almost everything worked and it was hilarious Sad and ending. it was and they fun. All split the ownership of the Oasis, the high five. Yep. Yep. And, yep. Man, I just like this movie. <laughs> Same here, dude. I honestly can't wait to see it again. Yeah. So. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people that saw it, if they liked it, they're still listening now. So, all right. So let's uh, kind of wrap this up because this has been like a technical nightmare for the past two days. <laughs> yeah, we're going like, we on have, two uh, hours now of talking about Ready Player One. We have had so many fun. So we've now. always talked about it for as long as the movie ran. Our cyber attack um, really brought us down. Yeah. And then someone shutting off the power in Brian's house also really brought us down. In Jenny's house. That's why I didn't know where the outlets that worked were. <laughs> oh, all right so we're gonna wrap this up uh we will see you guys next week for another edition of brian and dylan take on the world but until then uh have a good week yeah, love you guys subscribe on youtube subscribe on itunes show your friends this podcast we're excited to do it and we hope you like listening to it 100 percent all right, later, guys. All right.